0: You're listening to the Drawing the Ideal Self podcast for December 2023. Hello and a happy new year to you. Today's episode is going to look at how we might be construed by teachers and how that might continue to affect us during our lives rather than only when we're at school. And it kind of seems obvious. But I was listening to a radio programme that really brought that home. The programme I heard is called Life Changing and it's on BBC Radio 4. So there was an episode in May 2023 which is called Overheard. Now the blurb for the programme says that Dr Sharn Williams talks to people who have lived through extraordinary events that have reshaped their lives in the most unpredictable ways. I've listened to quite a few of these programmes and they are all interesting, I would say. They're often about the way that people's construing of themselves is affected in a very sort of clear way. Um, so if you're interested in that, it's well worth a listen. In the overheard episode, it's about a person called Hazel. I don't know if that's her real name or not, but she overheard her teachers talking about her. And what she heard was one teacher talking to a colleague and describing her as mentally retarded. It got me thinking a lot about how adults construe children, but also about how children may learn about how adults construe them. And I have talked to a child who overheard his parent discussing a specialist report about him and overheard the constructions of him that were used. And that was that he was selectively mute. I mean, he didn't know what selectively mute meant at the beginning. But it was interesting that he took that on board quite happily as an explanation of what the problem was called that he had with being very anxious around talking in class or talking to teachers generally. Now, that could have gone very differently. He could have been distressed by that. For him, it made sense and he quite liked having a sort of scientific name for it. But for somebody else, they might have found that confusing, frightening, uh, very upsetting, etc. And when we think about children going to school, it's actually a large proportion of their day during the school term time. So it works out about 37% of their day. So the importance of the way teachers construe children is absolutely enormous in everybody's lives. It affects the teachers because they're with those children for that amount of time. It affects the children and the way they feel about school and their construing of themselves in relation to school and in relation to school work, as well as in relation to the teacher and to other people. The other thing that happens for children and young people is constructions are passed on from teacher to teacher. About them at least once a year by teachers. And those comments in the report are the teachers' construing of that child in relation to their learning, in relation to their social skills and their attitude to work. Attitude to learning is a thing that's often commented on. It might not give any detail about what they're particularly good at, it might not also give any detail about what they're especially bad at. Uh, So it's an interesting thing to have a school report. But those reports go into a file, and they're now all on a computer, of course, and a new teacher can have a look at the past reports. And there isn't really any escape for children from the way teachers construe them. So children don't necessarily do the same about their teachers, and that would be quite an interesting experience. Having been a teacher, uh, I'm not sure if I'd like to read the reports about me. So as a teacher, the teacher will be validating or invalidating the child's constructs about themselves, both as a learner and as a person who tries, and as a social being in a school organisation. And if you think back to your own school experiences and the reports that were written about you, it's interesting to think how teachers construed you in different years. And to think about whether or not you've found it validating and how well it fit with other people's construing of you. You know, was it similar to the construing of your parents of you or was it different from that? So I thought I'd look at my old school reports, uh, and they are all together in one folder. Uh, I'm not really sure how that worked. I think we took a paper copy home and then had to get our parents to do something with it and bring it back um, so that... The school looked after it, I think. And then they gave them to you as a whole thing at the end of your school career. It's interesting to see it because it isn't quite as I remember it. Um, My experience of school, I think, was pretty dull. Um, This is secondary school I'm talking about. Primary school was great, I really enjoyed it. But secondary school was quite dull and a lot of boring things that we had to do. And my kind of construction of that at the time was that the teachers weren't teaching me things that I found very interesting. And because of that, I didn't really work as hard as I might have done because I didn't want to know the things that they wanted to teach me, perhaps. But also, I didn't understand some of the things that they were trying to teach me. And looking back on that now, is quite a different experience than it was at the time. Because I'm thinking, okay, if I was seeing myself as a child, what would I make of those school reports? So I I read them all through. So five years, I was at this school, and and I left to go to college to do psychology for sixth form, because you couldn't do it at school in those days. But during those five years, I was construed by those teachers in an interesting way, I think. And I can see there were points at which I changed. So I think in general, I was construed as kind of lazy rather than applying myself, which implied within it that I was capable of doing better, capable of learning, but I didn't try somehow. I think they construed me as, uh, and they refer to this a few times, having a casual attitude, which I think meant that I didn't care whether I did well or not. In some subjects, that was absolutely true. I think I was construed as needing close supervision in order to uh, get the best out of me somehow or another in terms of school, rather than being able to achieve for myself. Uh, and when I was coming up to leaving the school, one day it was raining and I went into the careers library and found a leaflet about psychology and realised you could do it at our local college. And I thought, oh, I'll do that then. That sounds really interesting. So I decided I would leave rather than stay at school to the sixth form. The school thought that was a big mistake and actually gave me some individual sessions with a really nice teacher who looked at every single course. That the school could offer me to try and persuade me to stay. And I don't know how I managed to resist, really, because he was a really nice guy. But I wanted to do psychology and they didn't offer it. And they couldn't offer any kind of combination thing. So, you know, I had to leave to do it. I also wanted to do sociology and they didn't offer that. English was the thing I could have done. But there weren't things I wanted to do alongside it. So I ended up leaving. And I think they thought when she leaves, she's going to be hopeless because we won't be there to watch her and uh, pull her back in line when she's being lazy. I think the other thing was that I knew I was quite ignorant of a lot of academic things and didn't have a good general knowledge and my uh, home life didn't really support the kind of style of the school. It was a girl's grammar school which I think was kind of old-fashioned in its ways and uh, there was something really quaint and nice about that it was also a bit crazy and i spent quite a lot of time trying to get the school to modernize and be different from how it was all of which failed i think um yeah my petition to have roller skating Failed. (laughs) And my uh, meetings that I used to arrange with the head teacher, I used to go and see her at break times to ask her to do things differently and persuade her why. And she used to say, that's very interesting and not change. I mean, it was good that you could go and ask her at least. What I did learn from that is that you have to raise things that really matter. It doesn't mean you're going (laughs) to win. That was a useful lesson in life. Anyway, um, my home life didn't really support the kind of school that I was in. So I didn't come from a family of academics at all. Uh, And when it came to, you know, having any help with my work, there was nobody at home at all who could help me. Uh, There was no one interested in the things that I was interested in either. So it was a bit of a loss. You know, I like playing in the sports teams. Nobody really was interested in that in my family at all. Um, So I did these things on my own. Now, that has been a useful thing that I've learnt that I don't do things for an audience, really, which is a bit odd, considering I'm doing this podcast. But although I am doing it for you, I'm doing it because I want to do it, because I imagine myself being in a situation earlier in my career, say, when I would have liked to listen to one. I love to hear from people, but if nobody writes to me and says that was a useful episode, I'll probably still give you another one. (laughs) So that's bad luck. So I learnt to be... Um, on my own doing the things that I thought were important. So I'm going to read you the kind of summary comments from my form tutors across the years. I'm doing this so that you've got some material to think about really, not because I think I'm any great shakes and certainly I wasn't at school. So my first year, year seven, we had two reports a year, an autumn and a summer. So first comment, first year, must make an effort to work steadily in all subjects. You'd wonder why. Is is there some idea that we are able to work steadily in every subject? What does steadily mean? Uh, And did it really mean everything? You know, was the person writing the report really interested if I was quite good at netball? I doubt it. I think what they meant was in every academic subject that we give you. By the summer, it says, working well, but must guard against a tendency to waste time. Mm, that's interesting. As far as I was concerned, I wasn't wasting it. But clearly, as far as school was concerned, I was. The following year, in the autumn, they said, making good progress in her work. She's a lively member of the form. When I read lively member of the form in anybody's report now, I have a construction of that because I know what I was like. I couldn't keep my mouth shut and I was constantly messing about. Not doing anything awful, but doing a lot of silly, pranky things. Uh, with my friends and we thought they were absolutely hilarious so that included um getting buying a mouse which i then took to school every day for a week um i don't know why i did that except that it was a great distraction from my work and my friend took hers as well for the first day and then she didn't bring it anymore so i was the only one with a mouse in school <laughs> i don't know i took it in a tin with holes in it, it was probably very cruel It was just a silly, silly thing. And I did a lot of silly things in this second year of school. So year eight. In the summer, they said her results could be better if she would increase her contribution to class. She must try to adopt a less casual attitude to her work. That continued in the beginning of the next year. So this would be year nine, when they said Heather's attitude is often very silly. She's a capable girl. And it is a pity that at the moment she uses her capability to benefit neither herself nor her form. And I have to say, I had absolutely no idea what that meant. I knew they didn't like me messing about and being silly. And I agreed that I was often silly. It wasn't any worse than that. It was often silly. As a result of this horrible comment from the teacher, which isn't really that bad, is it? My mum was called into the school to have a discussion with the head. And the head said, we're not sure if she's in the right school, whether she should have gone to a different school. And she's got a month to improve um, because she doesn't seem very happy in this school. And After a month, I'll meet you again and I'll decide what to do. My mum came home and was furious and so embarrassed, so embarrassed that she had to go and speak to the head, mortified that I had been misbehaving because she had no idea. You know, it had already been going on for a year probably by then. And I wasn't doing anything awful. I just wasn't quiet and doing what they said. Um, so I agreed that I would improve. And I can remember vividly that I took the completely contrasting stance in order to do that. So my friends and I used to sit at the back of the class and we'd have stuff on our knee that was more interesting. One time I took in some syringes that I'd found at, at home because my mum was a nurse, so she used to bring home the used syringes that were no good. You couldn't do that now. You know, they'd be cleaned. And we used to use them as water pistols, so I took them into class and we would, when the teacher had her back to us, fire them at the board and the water would run down and the teacher wouldn't know where it was going from. So you know, they were sick of all that stuff. And instead of doing that sort of thing, I moved myself, along with my friend, to the front of the class. I no longer sat at the back. We sat at the front, and for every time the teacher asked a question, we had a pact that we would put our hand up. She hadn't actually had her parents called in. It was just me. But but together, we changed. So I put my hand up to answer every question, even when I didn't know the answer. I made myself look like I was engaged with the lessons. And my attention was to pretending to look like I was engaged rather than actually engaging. So I'm not sure I learnt anymore, but I looked like I might be learning. And I think that's OK with them because the next report says Heather's behaviour and class position have both improved. She must continue her efforts if she is to reach the standard of which she is capable. So the next report shows that I've managed to keep improving. So, having had my little experiment with slot rattling, I obviously had managed to keep some of it going. So, it says in the autumn, this is a generally pleasing report with a continued effort. Heather should make progress in all her subjects. She is a very pleasant and helpful member of the form. And then in the summer, it said, Heather is working well in most subjects, but will have to make more effort where this is required. She is a quiet, polite member of the form. So, I'd switched from being lively in year eight to being quiet in year 10. I don't remember being particularly quiet but I must have been I think. Quiet enough at least. Um, And then in my final year at that school we had two comments, one from a house head and one from um, a form teacher. So the house head said that I'd been a helpful member of the house tutor group and the form tutor said that I was an even-tempered cooperative member of the form. That's a Interesting comment. I don't know if I was even tempered or not. Probably at that age. I was 16. My mum might have disagreed with that. And then in the summer, there was a comment from the guy who'd had the sessions with me about staying on at school. And he said, it would be to Heather's advantage to return to school for a sixth form. The form tutor said, in general, Heather is working with commendable application, a pleasing report. It's interesting that those comments have shaped the way that I see myself and also some of the things that I rejected so thinking about the validation and invalidation to me being in that school I was really like a fish out of water I didn't understand some of the things that people said um, because they were from a completely different background they went to places in the world you know the furthest I'd been until I was 14 was Um, I think I went to Jersey when I was 14 that was my first big trip we always went on holiday in this country I didn't have the experiences that some people at that school had at all I didn't know things that they knew they knew about classical music I knew nothing at all I only knew what the teachers told me and I didn't really know how to apply myself and nobody told me how to do that and no one told me how to do it when it wasn't interesting to me So I wondered all the way through school, why did I have to be good at everything that was on the curriculum? Uh, And why did I have to do everything that was on the curriculum? I certainly had no idea how to revise. You know, my strategy was look through my exercise books and reread them and copy my own notes. But what happened when you didn't understand something? So all I did was copy things I didn't understand. It didn't really help me. And there was nobody at home really to help me with any of that. I'm not blaming my parents at all. It's just that they didn't have those experiences. So, how could they know? They both worked, they knew what they were doing in their jobs, but they didn't know about academic study. So, you know, they couldn't help me with any of that stuff. If I look through things that were validated and then I've kept on doing, that's quite interesting. So, in my reports, usually the PE stuff was good apart from PE itself, all the games comments were all fine. Um, so was art. I hadn't actually realized once I came topping art. I was astounded when I read that. I didn't know that I must have known at the time, but it had no impact. I thought on me. I don't remember being particularly proud of that. I think art wasn't something that was valued, but I like art, and I like arty crafty things a lot. I like looking at art as well, and I'm interested in art and artists, and the fact that art is. Well, I suppose in the eye of the beholder, whether to call it art or not. English comments were usually fine or good. um, And I do like reading and writing and all the things to do with that. And I like French and the French comments were usually okay until we had a change of teacher. And then I could see there was a change in the way they construed me uh, and the way the lesson was. And I remember it being very, very boring. um, But I like French and I'm happy to use French when I go to France, even though my French isn't okay. I've got the confidence to have a go. And I think there were some useful changes in my construing that happened. And that's that I learnt that it was up to me to find ways to learn and that there was more than one way that I could be taught, uh, that I could improve my knowledge and skills in what I wanted to learn. And I would say that I learnt to persist for the things that I wanted to learn, I didn't see the uh, persistence or the need to persist as a failure. It was part of a process. I learned also that failure is multifaceted with many causal factors. Uh, and there are some that we can change and there's some that we can't change. I couldn't change the curriculum. What I could have changed is the way the teachers taught me. It would have been nice if they taught me rather than the subject. And that's related to the kind of construing of teaching that, you know, my construing of teaching is that poor teaching can be understood as being related to the teacher's construing of the student and the material. I've been a teacher. I wouldn't say that I was always a good teacher at all. Sometimes I was a very poor teacher. And often I was a poor teacher. I worked in a special school and we taught everything in those days. I was poor in relation to teaching science. And I, when I look back, my experience of being taught science was very, very poor. It was that the teacher said stuff and people understood it or didn't. There was really not much else going on. And teaching is much, much, much better than I ever had at school. Thank goodness. To the impact of this construing and my experiences at school, I think are that I do see myself as a lifelong learner. I've got preferences for my focus, I don't regard the things I don't learn about or don't want to learn about as uh, indicating failure. I have my things that I'm really, really interested in, I work hard on, accidentally almost. Um, I'm very interested in many things, but I particularly enjoy art and still am learning tennis, (laughs) so I'm really not that good, am I? I'm really interested in learning. I'm really interested in talking with people about themselves and really interested in child development. And I'm self-directed. You know, I like to use real experiences to help me understand things and apply theoretical knowledge to real-life experiences. And that's why often I refer to things in the media because I'll listen to something like the podcast episode I heard and then I'll think, ah, okay, I can see where that fits with something or how I might be able to use it. What it's done really is have a huge impact on my career. So, I've always done work on the construing of self and the construing of others, and the kind of construing gaps between how you might see me and how I might see myself, and what maybe could be done about that if needs be. I'm really interested in construing within roles so, teachers, students, parents, colleagues, friends, anything, because roles constrain us and we will have constructions about the role and then constructions of ourself within the role. And I'm really interested in the process of learning and engagement, and I think that's why I'm doing this podcast, because I would have liked to listen to one. And then I'm interested in the what I kind of think of as the misunderstood. It doesn't matter who they are, actually. It's not any particular group of people, because it can be anybody and everybody. So people who... Whose experience is that they're misunderstood, or people don't quite get them, um, That's always the area that I've been interested in in terms of my career. And when I think about that, I can see that is also connected with how I felt at school, that you know, I felt misunderstood. I felt that people didn't quite get me because I didn't fit with what they expected. Then I got to wondering, what would happen if school reports were changed? And they were rewritten, but with a reference to the teacher's role rather than the child's role, relating to what they need to do rather than what the child needs to do. Because the child has no power in the situation and has very little control over variables. Uh, so, you know, it might have said on my report, instead of saying that Heather loses focus in a chemistry lesson, it might have said, you know, I haven't yet, this is from a teacher's point of view, I haven't yet found ways to keep Heather's interest in chemistry. I'll try to talk to her about it and find out what I might do to adjust my delivery of lessons. It's laughable. Uh, When I was talking to my husband about this, he said, you're living in cloud cuckoo land. (laughs) That's never going to happen. He works with schools. Another one might have been, I've been able to encourage Heather's interest in tennis this term by lending her equipment to practice at lunchtimes and asking her to play in the school tennis team. That did happen, that that the tennis teacher really encouraged me and made it possible for me to do better, to the point that I asked for a tennis racket for Christmas. And that's made a huge difference across my whole lifetime, actually. So, you know, I'm 63 now and I'm playing tennis. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Something that started so long ago when I was 11 is still important to me today. The French teacher might have written, Looking at Heather's performance in French, I think the way that I am teaching French is not suiting her at present. I will try to find ways to make my lessons more engaging. You know, that's what the new teacher could have written, because I didn't have any problems with the previous teacher who was very engaging. And then maybe they could have said, I'm wondering why Heather's behaviour in school looks as if she is not interested in learning and I'm not sure this is the case. I will find ways to explore this with her and see if we can rekindle the enthusiasm we see in some subjects in other subjects <laughs> But I think that's the bit that tipped my husband over the edge that it's cloud cuckoo land <laughs> that's not going to happen that's not any criticism of teachers at all because I know the system but wouldn't it be nice if it could be different so that's my kind of new year slightly crazy ideas for how how important it is if you're working in schools how important what you're doing is because what you're doing is shaping somebody's future and you won't ever know how that happens Um, because unless you keep in touch with your students you won't see the end result but what you're doing really does make a huge difference and for those of us who work with schools and children and teachers, you know, what we're often trying to do is make their outcomes better than they would be otherwise. We're trying to intervene to help them to have a better life in the end. And although I can appreciate that my education has done that because I'm here now to do this and, you know, been to university and things like that, I wouldn't have gone otherwise because no one had been in my family. When I applied for university, they said, why are you doing that? They didn't understand why I might want to do that or that I was capable of it. I think they thought you had to be a genius to go. So I can see that it's had a huge effect on me. But some of the things have put me off stuff, which is a shame. And some of the things have actually led to my passion in terms of trying to help children and young people. It makes sense, I think, that I work with children and young people when this was the kind of experience that I had. Because I don't like the idea that that happens to other people. It'd be good to do something about it. Okay, so you could have a go with your own school reports. If you've got them, get them out and reread them and pull some comments together. You could either go by subject, if you've got them, uh, so that you could say, you know, this was how it was in English for me and this was history, or you could go by um, the tutor's comments or whatever. All right, so. I don't know if this means I'm starting as I mean to go on. I think it doesn't. Uh, It's a bit of a strange kind of episode to have done. And I hope you don't think it's too self-indulgent. But I thought if I want some material to use, why don't I use my own? And it gave me quite a laugh getting my reports out. Couldn't believe them. Anyway, OK. Nice to talk to you again. And I'll see you again soon at the end of January.